From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Gary Murdoch of Sooner Scoop. I'm going to have to spend some time with us here on kind of a special edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Uh, Kerry, first of all, how are you? Worlds colliding once again. It's unbelievable. Yeah, our worlds are going to collide a lot here in the in the future. A lot of stuff happened yesterday. Ole Miss and uh, and Oklahoma find out that the I guess Oklahoma knew they were in. Ole Miss did not know until yesterday that they were in. Rebels and the Sooners this weekend for the college baseball national championship. And uh, I think both fan bases uh, had an opportunity to get irritated at um, at at Arch Manning and Texas and some of the. Uh, some of the takes from uh, from Austin. So the world's collided a lot in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I to be honest, with you, I didn't think about the whole Ole Miss connection. I mean, I should have. I mean, should have been first to mind. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, I I, I love you guys over at uh, Rebel Grove. And uh, <laughs> I think it's it's I mean, it's so bizarre because we've kind of been predicting for a while, like that the Ole Miss OU fans have kind of a kindred spirit. This is not the way for them to get introduced to each other. I don't think <laughs> playing for a national championship. So I have to, especially add, with all the jello shots that the Ole Miss fans are, are imbibing themselves with. Yeah. The, the Ole Miss jello shot, the Ole Miss and Arkansas jello shot thing was probably a, a, a little bit of a message to OU in Texas of, Hey, it's, it is different. Um, it, it, I don't know about it, about it meaning more, but it is different. Look, I mean, well, I mean, look, oh, he's coming from the Big 12 where uh, they have the worst slogans in the country. So uh, <laughs> no one should be able to make fun of it just means more. Uh, but no, I, I mean, you guys know, I've, I've talked about it on your podcast before, like, OU fans have got and that was one of the things that I was such a proponent of OU moving to the SEC over the Pac-12 back in the day. Uh, because OU fans have to realize that it's a different level of fandom in the SEC. Like, OU fans are great. I'm not ripping them, but I'm just saying there's a different level of intensity in the SEC. Uh, and you know, the funny thing is the football team is learning about it with Brent Venables. The fans haven't quite they – ha- they're, they're going to get a, their first taste of it this weekend. So I was going to ask you about this. So obviously, it's major accomplishment for both programs to, to get to the national championship series. I mean, duh, but – I noticed on your board that, um, I mean, it's a big deal. It's a big story. You've got Eddie out there in Omaha doing a great job covering the Sooners and, and as they uh, vie for a national title. Uh, Oklahoma's first if they were to win it since 1994. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a big story there. People are talking about it. But I got on your, on your board this morning just to kind of get a gauge. I go to Sooner Scoop a lot. It's one of my favorite sites in the network. I've told you that for a long time. This is not just lip service. It's one of the ones I look at for ideas and you guys are really creative and I enjoy the site. There's talk about the NBA draft. Obviously, there's a lot of Thunder fans on your on your thread. They were talking about the Thunder's big night last night. They were talking about, uh, obviously, football recruiting and some arch stuff. There was baseball stuff, but I compare it to our site and Oxford. And I don't know what Norman's like today or OKC. But here, I went for a run this morning. On my way back from a run, a neighbor who – never goes anywhere is packing his car to go to Omaha 
the people across the street, the dad and, and two of the, the kids were loading up to go to Omaha. I think this, if you want to rob a bank in Oxford, this is the weekend to do it. <laughs> um, if you've got some dirty laundry that got to get aired in the local paper, this is the weekend to do it. Um, press release, release them now. Yes, yes, yes. Negative press releases, go. If you've got something to get out, now's the time. Um, I mean, it is, it, it, it's completely overtaken anything, which is understandable. Ole Miss is, it's their first, it'd be their first college baseball national championship, their first national championship in anything since, I mean, in any of the major sports since the, I guess, the 60s. So, um, the, obviously, wow. it's obviously a huge story, but. What is it like there compared to here where the baseball thing is just, it's just taken on a, it's always been frenetic, but it's got a, taken on a life of its own over the last three weeks. Yeah. I mean, you are having some of that where people are loading up and, and you see some people like, Hey, I want to get to Omaha. Who else is going? Um, you know, are you go like people declaring they had just called my dad and we're getting in the car and we're heading up there. Uh, like th you've seen quite a bit of that going on. Uh, of course, I office down on campus corner. The students are out this time of year. Uh, you know, the, the school the summer's here. And uh, so it's not a it's not a big fanfare like down on campus. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's 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 one of those things where OU baseball is kind of I mean, it's been since 2013 since they're even in super regional. So, you know, OU baseball has been through a lot of transitions. Uh, you'll remember Sonny Galloway left Oklahoma for Auburn you know, many years ago, many moons ago, uh, that went poorly. And then you've had the Pete Hughes era, uh, didn't work out. And, and here we are with Skip Johnson. He's five years into this. And it was really a year where people, uh, you know, if he didn't make it to at least the, the regionals, he was going to be a little bit on the hot seat. So it's, it, there's been a malaise over the program for a long time, uh, but it's definitely got some excitement. I mean, obviously softball, has kind of become the big thing that everybody got geared up for, uh, knowing that, you know, they'd only lost two games and that they were the favorites to win a national championship. Like that's become the monster, not baseball. Uh, but then here comes baseball, this unexpected run, uh, you know, not hosting their own regional. Some people, there wasn't even a lot of like, you know, um, upheaval that they didn't get awarded a regional, even though some people thought that they should have. Uh, so they go out to Florida. Uh, I think, you know, they win the first game and then people kind of, oh, well, um, they might have a chance here. They win that regional. They go to super regional. And I think it was like, well, this is Virginia Tech. They're on the road again. And, you know, Virginia Tech is known for, you know, really big offenses. So uh, they probably won't get past them. Then they get past them and it's to the, the college. World. It's like every step of the way has been a surprise. And whereas I know Ole Miss didn't lose a single game, uh, throughout the regionals and then they barely get in the tournament and all that but um they've just been a buzzsaw whereas you know OU's certainly been impressive uh but they win one they lose one and then they win the third and then they win one they lose one they win the third um it's it's you know fans have kind of been on the edge of their seats throughout this but it's you know I think now is the first time that they've had a chance to really beat their chest and say we're pretty damn good yeah, well, they are pretty damn good. I mean, when I watch them, what I see is some power arms and and that shortstop is his name. Is his Graham? Is that his name? Uh, Graham, yes. Yeah, uh, the, the hey, short, Graham. Every time I look on on TV, the, the shortstop is like standing on second base after hitting a double. Or, or I mean, he, he never. I've never. I don't think I've, I saw him strike out once, and I was kind of stunned by it. 
but they've got guys up and down the lineup that hit. They're obviously hot right now, and they're playing with a lot of confidence. And and I don't know what the I think Ole Miss is the betting favorite right now. But you know, Ole Miss had to use Dylan Delucia on Thursday yeah. to beat Arkansas. So there's probably a little bit of a starting in terms of a pitching setup. It's advantage Oklahoma. What's just I know it's not your beat, it's Eddie's beat, but what's kind of the feeling in terms of what the matchup looks like? Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing that, that Oklahoma has in their favor right now is they're fully rested. They they made it through. Uh, you know, David Sandlin was was the guy that won the the the, the game to put him in the championship. And uh, he, he'd been the guy that lost all the games uh, as the starter. Like, he was their Saturday night starter. Uh, and Cade Horton, I mean, he's the, he's the real – star on this staff and he it kind of like this team he had tommy john surgery 16 months ago they really took him slow he was a he was a football baseball guy coming out of out of high school uh and actually had committed to the football team knowing that baseball was probably his future and that he'd be getting a scholarship to play baseball uh and so he's just this big old dude that uh you know, local kid and everybody knew he had this potential. Uh, but, you know, to get hurt like that, to go through Tommy John surgery, uh, this is the first that we've seen him at full strength. Uh, and, you know, it started with, you know, the Big 12 championship. But, you know, they finally put him out there as a starter as the regionals began. He went, you know, five and a third. He went six. Uh, they pretty much keep him to 100 pitches because he is still coming back from that surgery. Uh, but that was the most dominating pitching performance he had uh, in the College World Series, even though, uh, you know, Jake Bennett's been their best pitcher all year and he'll be the guy that starts uh, on Saturday. But uh, that combo, those two, it, it's pretty impressive. Uh, what the, and I know oh, I've watched all of Ole Miss's games since they've been in the College World Series. Um, you know, David Salem was the guy, though, that that kind of stepped up and had his biggest moment. Uh, and then, you know, Trevin Mitchell has been just a fantastic closer for them. So um, that's the thing. I mean, these are two really good offensive teams. Neither one of these teams probably want to, wants to get into the, the ninth inning down a run, though, with, with the pitching that they have. Yeah, that closer for Oklahoma is terrific. Uh, at some points during the year, the bullpen was pretty shaky for them. I guess it's kind of squared, oh, yeah. squared out. Well, that was, bit. I mean, that was the thing. They, they could not throw strikes. You know, they, they get up big on OSU and the pitchers can't throw strikes. They end up losing the series. Same thing happened in Texas. Um, the pitching is really what has turned it around. And this is a team, and they haven't, because they've been so hot, uh, you haven't seen as much of it, but you did see a glimpse of it uh, within the fourth inning uh, against Notre Dame. They made the first and the third out at third base, which you're never supposed to do in baseball. Uh, and then they come back the very next inning and they're still running wild on the bases and they score like four runs to kind of close out that game. But they're a team that's not afraid to steal bases, to be aggressive on the bases, uh, you know, safety squeezes. They've scored on some of that in the College World Series. So um, that's the one thing. I mean, uh, Texas A&M's catcher was kind of successful keeping them at bay, but they'll put a lot of pressure on Ole Miss's catcher. Um. I guess I want to get to football in a second. Just you have a hate to put you on the spot for a prediction. I don't even have one yet. I've looked at it and thought, I, I wish I knew more about Oklahoma because I, it, I, I didn't watch, I watched a lot of sec baseball this year. I didn't watch Oklahoma much at all. And then I watched them against Florida. And then I watched a good bit of that super regional against Virginia tech. And, and 
they turned my head, but I still didn't think of them as like, oh, that's going to be the team that, that gets out of the other bracket. And here they are. And I'm like, well, they're, they're the one team that hasn't lost a game in Omaha yet. So I think the thing goes three games and it's a Monday game between Sandlin and Delusia is my, my, my thoughts. But what about you? I don't think I've ever told you this about myself. Um, I cannot stand predictions. Oh, I think I predictions not, are the, did not know dumbest, the dumbest thing in the world because why do you care what I'm going to predict? If you're an Ole Miss fan, why do you care? If you're an OU fan, why do you care? I don't live in Las Vegas. Unless I live in Las Vegas and make my living as a gambler, who gives a damn about my prediction on anything? You know what? And you're, the one thing you're right about following Vegas, I mean, we're switching topics a little bit here, but it was not Adrian Wojnarowski or Shans, uh, whatever his Chirania. name is. Yeah. It was not those guys yesterday that was the first to tip off that, hey, there's a change at the top of the NBA draft. It was Las Vegas. Really? Oh, yeah, because the, the line. Yeah, the line it moved. shifted. It shifted overnight on Wednesday night. People woke up early Thursday, and Paolo Boncaro had gone from, like, plus 5,000. Which I hate because I got so excited that the Thunder were now going to take Jabari Smith. And, of course, <laughs> even when he was available, they took the guy I didn't want him to take. I'm not a Chet Holmgren You're fan. not I'm a sorry. Chet guy, yeah. But, like, all the people, the, the writers who cover the NBA woke up and saw that, and they're, like, scrambling to their sources and stuff. And, and at first, people were, like, doubling down, no, no, the Magic are going to take Jabari Smith. And then slowly over the course of the day, apparently it shifted to, well – there could be movement at the top of the draft. There's, this could be an eventful draft, and it was Las Vegas, not anyone else. It was Las Vegas that tipped them off because clearly, and there's no doubt about it, somebody leaked to Vegas. It's what I've always said is it's really hard in these organizations like OU, Ole Miss, whatever. In, inside that football building, there is somebody, somebody who's leaking to Vegas if about injuries and stuff like right. that. It's absolutely indisputable no i mean but here's the only way it could have gone worse for me last night is if it had been leaked and uh chet holmgren had been decided to be their first pick and then sam presti uh threw open the war chest of draft picks that he has and moved up to get chet holmgren well, to make sure that he got him like at least i guess i could be lucky that they didn't give away a bunch of draft picks to, and, and also drafted chef chet holmgren because they would have. There's no question. Now Now you know. because I, Yeah, you know that that was their guy all along. That was their guy, and he was going to go get him. And and turns out that he had two other guys that he really wanted in the draft. He was trying to trade up ahead to get uh, Jeremy Sohan. And then he was trying to trade up to get Usman Dang. And you see what the price he paid for Dang to, to move up to 11 to get him. Yeah, he was going to be aggressive. So it tells you no question that – if Orlando had decided they wanted Holmgren, the Thunder. Yeah, they would have. They would have done whatever it took to get him. So they were going to. I hope he works out. I mean, I do. But can you imagine if you're that team and he comes in, he's just a stiff, uh, and he and he can't handle the physicality or the athleticism of the NBA, and you're like, we've tanked for this many years for you, kid. <laughs> like, what a kick in the in the nuts. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be a bust. I really don't. I, 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 I just don't like that he has bust potential. Like, he, well, he does. I think Javari Smith and, and Palo Bancaro both are two guys that you don't really feel have bust potential. They may not live up to their hype, 
but they're still going to give you something. I think Chet Holmgren has the ability to just completely suck if it, if it all goes wrong. Yeah, I, I think people have the, the uh, Pokashevsky uh, fear, and then they have like Sean Bradley and all that kind of stuff. But I can't I think- stop. Actually, it took me a while this morning on the radio. I kept trying to say Chet, but I kept saying Poku. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I was I was not excited about um, about Jang. That that was not the guy. It was not the wing that I wanted. Um, I, I don't like the word project at this point, but I know I know it's still early in the in the rebuild. But yeah, yeah, be nice to take a step here soon. You want a good guest, so we should probably stop talking about the Thunder. We probably should. So let's switch to this. The last time we had you on, Oklahoma and Texas had just announced they were joining the SEC. I know they said right. 2025. I know everyone said 2025. I'm going to be honest here. I didn't believe 2025. I thought it would be much sooner. Um, I guess I thought it would be 2024, maybe even 2023. That 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 appears to not be happening. What's what are you hearing in terms of when Texas and, and OU will be let out of purgatory and, and come over and hang out with us? Here's, here's a couple of things that I think almost not guarantee, but make it very difficult for OU to get out early. And that is they just raised almost $40 million to build a new softball stadium. They they're $10 million into a $30 million baseball stadium renovation. And then you have NIL hit, which has caused a great amount of confusion in, you know, development of every, every university. Like, okay, there's no money. Like, are donors, like, frozen in time because they don't know what to do with their money? They're waiting for a way to give it to the players? Or are they going to contribute it to the athletic department? Like, I, there's just a lot of uncertainty about all that stuff. And then you have a coaching change uh, where Brent Vittables comes in and he's competed against Alabama year after year in the college football playoff. He can come in immediately and say, the, this roster isn't ready yet. Like, even though, you know, they've had, even though Oklahoma's had success against SEC, SEC schools, except for Alabama, uh, you can say what you want about that Rose Bowl with Georgia. It was a success until it wasn't. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I think Brent would come in here and knowing Brent, like I have forever, he's, he's going to want to have stockpiles of talent before he goes to the sec. So there's, there's no rush. And I, you know, they've talked, the coaches have talked about this before and Brent's kind of brought in Thad turnip seed. I don't know if you know much about him, but kind of his own little, uh, you know, architect general that's helping him build out facilities and work with the athletic department to basically, uh, you know, build the staff up, build up, you know, the, the different, you know, the, the support personnel, all that stuff. So basically get a bunch of more money out of OU than they'd be willing to give without him, you know, nagging them all the time. Um, and those two have come in here. Turnip seed was at Alabama. Then he was at Clemson. Uh, he helped Nick Saban build Alabama. So he knows what they do and don't have, what buildings they need to tear down, what they need to rebuild, what type of, you know, um, support, you know, facilities they need to have. And I, I think they're just like, look, if it's not till 20, 
you know, 25, that's fine. We have a lot of work that we could be doing uh, internally before we're ready to both play and recruit against the SEC. What's it like kind of being in a league, though, where everyone knows you're leaving, they're pissed at you for leaving, and yet you got to compete in that league for a while? I think it's funny as hell every time that Texas and Oklahoma play for a national championship right now, like, or, you know, in the college, I mean, softball, it was Oklahoma versus Texas. Like how, like you'd think that that's embarrassing for the rest of the big 12 conference. Yeah. Um, But you know, at the same time, they're going to take the money from that. I mean, um, and really, I think if they're smart about this, you know, it, it, if you're not just emotional about it, which I, you know, I, I know certain ADs are, but the longer they stay in the conference, the, the more your cachet lasts when you're looking to make that next broadcast deal. I mean, it's going to hurt no matter what. You're not going to make as much money as you are with OU and Texas in the league, but they're at least, you know, when Kansas winning a national championship in basketball, uh, OU winning a national championship in softball, Baylor, you know, um, playing well this year, Oklahoma state playing well this year, like they're, they're still a nationally relevant league. And you could argue that they're one of the most national relevant leagues right now. Um, then we'll see what happens with baseball, but man, I mean, golf, Texas won, you know, men's golf, Texas won, uh, women's, uh, tennis. It's just like, they're all over the place. Big 12 teams are all over the place in championships. Uh, and, you know, the longer they stay, the longer you kind of hold on to that reputation. I, I, there's no reason for you to be upset if you're the Big 12 other than the initial shock of it all because the longer they stay in here, the more they're helping your league. What's going to happen to Bedlam? Football might go away for a while, probably will go away for a while. Other sports, I think, will continue to play just because we all know football generates so much revenue, uh, and really that hurts Oklahoma State more than anyone. But the other sports, they need that, man. I mean, they're not big revenue producers. Every time you can have OU and OSU wrestle against each other and get you know 10,000 people to show up, that's something OSU is going to need in the league that they're going to be in with the TV revenues being down like they will be. I mean, let me ask you about Texas because I'm curious because we we saw the Arch Manning thing happen. That's I've, I said a year ago I thought Arch was going to Texas. I thought the tea leaves were right there. Um, I think Arch Manning views Texas as a school where he can go and be the brand. I think that's important to the Mannings. He can't do that at, at Alabama. He can't do that at Georgia. They just won a national championship. He's not going to be the brand mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in Athens. I think he can do that in Austin, yet you look at that Texas program, and here we are again. You look at them, and I know Steve Sarkeesian, and they're recruiting really well, and they got a lot of NIL and all that stuff. I get it. But you look at them on the field last year, and they weren't very good. They lost a lot of games. Are they – how far away are they from being able to truly compete at the top of the Big 12? And, and then obviously knowing where they're heading in a few years. Well, you know, and that's another thing that's, you know, why there's no hurry um, to get to the SEC because Texas is farther away than anyone. I mean, they were five and seven last year. Um, they lost to Kansas. 
they lost to Kansas. They continue to lose to Kansas. They lose to them all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but I think there's two things at play here. One, it's a fantastic decision from a business and marketing perspective because Texas has not had a significant quarterback since Colt McCoy. And he didn't get the credit that he deserved because he followed up Vince Young, who took him to a national championship. So you've, you've gone all this time with all these notable failures. You think of like Blaine, uh, um, uh, Garrett Gilbert, who was the number one quarterback in the country, went to Texas, ended up transferring to SMU. And I think as of a couple of years ago, he was still on an NFL roster. Um, so it was like, no matter who Texas would bring in there, no matter how star studded or how five star or whatever, they could never develop that star quarterback while up across the red river, you've got Sam Bradford winning the Heisman, Jason White winning the Heisman, uh, Baker Mayfield winning the Heisman, Kyler Murray winning the Heisman. A lot of those Texas's own, I mean, two of them, Texas's own, um, one of them in Austin's backyard in Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, so like it's just this this it was like a piling on watching Oklahoma and what they did from the quarterback position versus what Texas was doing. Uh, and then you have Arch Manning, a guy that has no ties to Texas, but he is from football royalty and basically could infuse something into Texas if he did. If Arch Manning lives up to the hype, let's say he wins a Heisman Trophy at Texas regardless of winning a national title or not. Okay. Um, he becomes the guy to put the new spark in the era of Texas offensively and their quarterback history that has been essentially, I'm trying to think of the right word uh, to label it, but um, I mean, it, it's been a curse. It's, it's a cursed position at the university of Texas. He could, he could, what do they call that? Taking the take? Do they take a hex to a curse, or they take off the hex? You 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 try to exercise the the curse, right? Exercise the demons, the the quarterback yeah. demons. That's what Arch Manning would do. He would be a legend, not just financially, not just a financial windfall, but a perception windfall, uh, a, a a legend. He would do something that they have been praying with all the money that they have at Texas. They can't buy their way out of this. I mean, to say he would be a savior is, is that's not hyperbole. He no, would you're right. It, it's if, if, if we were talking about this with Chet Holmgren, right? If, if he reaches a ceiling, if Arch Manning reaches his ceiling as a college player, Texas was a great choice for him. Yeah. Because if he, if he does it at Alabama, they just go, oh, well, he's just another one of the guys that did it. If he does it, at and North, all the people around him, you know, Tua yeah. won it, and then Bryce Young won it. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, and, and Alabama made him into who he was. If he goes to Texas and do it, does it? He takes one of the most storied programs in the history of college football, and is one of the few people that can say he remade that program. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I always, whenever people were breaking it down, I thought Georgia's chance to land Arch Manning disappeared the night that they won the national title. Yeah. That was always kind of my thought. All right, I'm curious here because Texas, we've heard a lot about it. By the way, let me just let me yeah. just let me throw this out there too. Yeah. Are we sure Arch Manning is as good as his ranking? No. Or, or is Arch Manning 
someone that everyone loves to talk about that that generates clicks that generates interest like when you because i i i haven't sat there and compared him to everyone but you know from what you watch got a funky delivery yeah um i don't know about arm strength but is he kind of built is he a media creation or is he legitimately because i don't think he's the number one quarterback in the country i don't either i think he's got tools uh, yeah, he's got the size and he's got the, the bloodline and the bloodline is worth something. I mean, his, his, his uncle was one of the all time right. greats. His other uncle was one of the is, is going to be a Hall of Famer, took the Giants to two Super Bowls, the whole deal. I mean, it's hard to it, it, people that discount that. I'm like, oh, no, it's real. It's the, the DNA. I, and I'll say this on the other side. Say he had, he'd gone to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is going to want him to be the next Manning, you know, in line to be their starting quarterback and to continue that legacy. Sure. He's not going to have that at Texas. Texas, it's going to be, well, you weren't what we thought you were. We'll move on to somebody else. I like, I like the Nelson kid that's going to USC better. I like, I like Jaden Rashada better. Um, there's a bunch of, uh, not a bunch, but there's two or three of those, of the kid in Detroit. You know, the, the, the kid uh, that OU has signed, the Jackson Arnold kid, I mean, he's moving up fast getting to see him in person, like he's built differently than like Malachi Nelson and Arch look like kids. If you put him up to like, he's a grown man. And that's the kind of thing like that doesn't mean he's going to be a great quarterback, but physically I have questions about both Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning. Well, you know, you bring those guys in with these big NIL deals and these big expectations and they're not ready. I mean, and now, you know, you don't get as much time before someone just labels you a bust and goes next because of the transfer portal and NIL and the ability to just buy yourself out of a out, out of a bad situation. Let me ask you this. Do you think that that you think that Peyton and Eli and Art and Cooper go to Arch and say, hey, don't worry about NIL deals right now. Just become a quarterback and that's all going to come because they've been through that or because they are such marketing whizzes. Do you think they're just like, let's just get a bunch of money while we can? Don't you have to get it while you can? I don't know, because you've got football decisions and then you've got business decisions. Sure. Well, like, you know, when I mean, was Peyton Manning really the the, you know, the lovable, you know, personality? He was he wasn't that in the beginning. No, he had he got established as a football player before he really let us see who he was you know, through commercials and all that stuff, the Saturday night live and that. Yeah. And you know, for the longest time, Eli, to your point was kind of viewed as this, you know, kind of dummy, if you will, a little bit. Cause he's soulless, yeah. you know, <laughs> vapid, no, nothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it turns out that he's anything but that, but you right. Know, you, but yeah, so you, you, your point is a good one. I can tell you this. I know someone close to that family who has said that people in the family have told him to look at Peyton and what happened to his body over the course of his career and have said, get your money now while you can, because you, mm-hmm. because you never know. And you might not want to play that long. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't, I don't fault any kid who takes as much as he can get when he can get it. That being said, and I mean, you're, you're covering one of the programs that, that, um, has at least from the outside looking in, it looks like they, they kind of have it going on from an NIL standpoint. 
I, I am curious to see over the next few years sort of what that's like in, in locker rooms. And I was talking to a former Ole Miss player the other day, and we were talking about NIL, and he was like, you know, man, if a guy came in as a freshman and you knew he already had all these NIL, NIL deals in place, he's like, that, that would – you know, kind of ruffle some feathers in a locker room. And I was like, w would that impact things? He's like, I don't know, maybe not, but it could. It, it yeah, I think it, I think it's one of those things where it, it's up to the, it's kind of like the Spencer Rattler deal. It's like, it's up to the kid. Like what kind of attitude does he have? Is his attitude, I've got all this, I've got all these deals and you don't have them. So I don't need to work as hard as you, you know, it, it, it better be a kid that, you know, if he has all those deals, he's coming in and saying, I have to work harder than everybody else to justify why I'm here. And not everybody's that mature. Speaking of mature, um, how, how hated is Lincoln Riley in, in Oklahoma these days? It's died off a little bit, but I mean, it was serious. I mean, serious. I mean, it was, it dominated everything every day. I will say, and I don't know if you know the joke, but, you know, Lincoln had always had problems with umbrella defenses. Iowa State always gave him problems. When teams would drop extra men into coverage, it would slow his offenses to a crawl. And so I threatened one day on the pod, like, what if we made a T-shirt that said rush three, drop eight as kind of a, a dig to Lincoln? And we did it, and I've sold hundreds of those T-shirts. <laughs> He hated you, right? We no, no, no. That's the thing. Like, okay, so <laughs> on our message board one night, it, it was a Saturday night. I might have had some of my favorite whiskey in me, uh, but we had one of these posts from you know how it happens. Every once in a while, you get an angry poster that he wants to know. Like everything's closed off. There's no access. Uh, like even my friends that are former players that would go to practice, they would get hounded. Um, like, don't you be telling anybody that, you know, what you see here. Uh, and it got to the point where I stopped even talking to him because it became such a headache. Uh, them getting mad at me if I ever said anything that they told me because, sure, you know, it was it was just a total Gestapo operation. Um, and so one night, you know, probably two thirty in the morning. Uh, someone just started this thread, just ripping us for not having any information from the, the scrimmage that day. Uh, and I said, don't blame me that Lincoln Riley's a psycho and one of the biggest dicks about media coverage uh, in college football. <laughs> and so some fan screenshotted it, took it to Twitter, tagged Lincoln and tagged <laughs> OU football. I went ahead and said, oh, you forgot the, the athletic director. And I have a really good relationship with him. So I tagged the, the athletic director as well. <laughs> and uh, it and so fans saw it. They called my radio station. I got suspended. Uh, I almost got fired. Did you really? For something I said. So stupid. And Saturday. Yeah, it was just a big thing. This was like back in August, though, before the season started. Yeah. Uh, and so after he did what he did i took the biggest victory lap that ever was uh you know um but and i but i i apologized to him directly i was like look this is the situation it was on a it was on a behind a paywall someone took it put it on twitter i would never call you a dick uh <laughs> you know 
on a public forum like that, but it was to a criticism because your media policies aren't good. And so actually we had this big discussion and everything got better um, and we had more access and, and we got to actually go do photo and video shoots for like the first 20 minutes of practice. Yeah. Like he hadn't been letting us do that even. And it was like twice for the entire season that we got to do that. Um, but no, I mean, we always had a, a good relationship. Lincoln never was never, never close to anyone in the media. He kept everyone at arm's length. And now you kind of see why. Um, but it definitely, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened as that year started getting, you know, later and later. I mean, they, they lost to Baylor after a bye week and they looked like they hadn't practiced that in those two weeks. And then there were rumors that he was actually, you know, out in LA the week before, like someone had spotted him at a private airport. Um, and so they, though, now, now you're trying to piece things together, like, okay at what point was he talking to usc what point did he know he's going to leave uh because you know osu did the same thing to him OU was killing them in bedlam in the final game uh and then um their defensive coordinator that's now at ohio state um uh jim um god i can't remember anyway um he he rushed three and he dropped eight he was he was blitzing and and sacking you know trying to sack the quarterback and they just carved him up in the first half he said you know what I'm going to do what Iowa State, Jim Knowles, I'm going to do what Iowa State did. And we're going to rush three. And we're going to drop eight and make them throw, you know, make them beat our zone coverage. And Caleb Williams couldn't do it. Just like Spencer Rattler couldn't do it. And so then we had the, the infamous press conference afterwards where I, usually they allow me, if they know it's going to be a tough question, they'll allow me to ask it last if nobody else asked it. And so I had the last question, nobody asked it. And I said, Lincoln, I have to ask you this because it's nonstop. And he stopped me and he said, Kerry, stop. I'm not going to be the next head coach at LSU. And I, you know, the thing about it was I'm the, I did ask him a follow-up basically saying, well, if you're not going to LSU, is there something going on at OU that makes these job rumors persist without you addressing him? Like, is there anything that, that, you know, that Joe Castiglione can do to make you feel more comfortable staying here? And he hemmed and hawed and said how great a relationship he, was, he had with Joe Castiglione, the administration. Everybody's 100% behind, you know, where they wanted to be and what they wanted to do. But the entire time, he wouldn't look anyone in the eye. He was looking down, and it was awkward and weird. Uh, and then, you know, wake up the next morning, and Bruce Feldman's reporting that USC and Lincoln Riley are close to, you know, putting together a deal. So, Did he go to USC because – he wanted to escape the sec or did he go to usc because the package was that was put together was was more lucrative i think it's a, honestly i think it's a combination of a lot of things but it is strange that you know he would be a part of the process of going to the sec and and i mean you never know how you know there's two sides to this like ou swears and and joe castiglione swears that he was in the loop the entire time they were discussing the move to the SEC. At the same time, you wonder, okay, was he really in the loop enough to where he felt comfortable objecting to that move? Like, or did he try and... But know, he goes to a place in USC, Kerry, where, I mean, you're a big picture guy. A lot of people in our, in our business aren't. You are. Um, I like to think that I try to be. 
He goes to a place at USC where he's in a league that the TV deal is about to expire. The grant of rights is about to expire. The it's it's the most prestigious program in that league, and it would stand to reason that USC is going to at least explore its options, right? Yeah, but I, I just think that when you're dealing with West Coast schools, I, I don't know a private school like that, like how much does their president really make decisions based on athletics? Like to me, you know, OU went through the same thing when they had David Bourne as their president. He wanted to be considered an elite academic institution. He wanted to be aligned with the Big Ten more than anything. Like that was the whole reason, you know, OU could have been in the SEC a long time ago, but Bourne kind of looked his nose down at the SEC like, well, they don't have all these big, research grant schools like the big 10 does and that's what we want to be a part of as a university like he thought academics were you know the the kind of the lower class of a university like they were just there to entertain the alumni but the the big picture was you know their research you know facilities their their hospital their their law school like he wanted to elevate the academic brand. And so I, I would think that USC's president is similar. Like he's focused on the academic side of things, but no, I mean, I don't, I don't really see them leaving the PAC 12, but I think it's more or less Lincoln knows that schools have been poaching the West coast for a while because they haven't been as competitive at USC. And he knows that's the sleeping giant with all the talent he needs right in their backyard. And he doesn't have to try that hard and he won't. I mean, he is a good recruiter. He'll get, he'll lock down. He and, and Dan Lanning will fight to lock down the West coast. Yeah. I agree with that too. I, they'll both be, they'll both kind of feast on, on that area. Lanning's and playing, playing those games. Like, That'd be that'd be a bad idea to be, you know, have all your games be fly out games. I mean, you want to play your games in in the region where the players are from. I'm just curious to see what kind of TV deal they can get. You, you look at what the Big Ten's get about to get, what the SEC is about to get. Those schools are, I mean, some of those schools are going to do some soul searching a little bit. Like, can we? Compete? But that's part of the problem. I mean, that that's the negative. That's the. I mean, yes, Lincoln can do that and succeed. The passion is not there like it is in other parts of the country for college football. But you know what? I don't think Lincoln cares. And I don't think he cares, you know, how much money he has compared to other schools uh, as long as he's dominating his conference. I know I've kept you too long. What's Venables like in terms of media access? What do you, I, I know the fans love him. How do you think <laughs> he's going to do there? He's great. I mean, you know, um, Brent, I, I've known Brent for a really long time. Love that guy. I'm, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm less involved in the day-to-day stuff as, as far as being a beat writer now. So I'm kind of, I feel like I'm almost looking at, looking at it from the outside because I knew him so well when he was a coordinator. He was one of those guys that would literally shoot the shit with you for, you know, 30 minutes after practice and be real honest about, you know, his players who could play, who couldn't play. Like, he would literally tell you things like, I wish we hadn't recruited that kid. Um, but like, you know, he's not that same guy now. Now he's, it, it's funny because he really is a, a leader of a program. Like that's, 
you can tell he's taken a lot from Dabo in, in terms of, you know, and I think from the outside, always, you're going to look at people like Dabo and you'd be like, what a rube that guy is mm-hmm. like what, you know, kind of that can't be real. Like I'll say this about Brent, like everything about him is genuine. Um, the passion that he has, the drive that he has, it's unbelievable. Like I literally, if I go to a practice and he'll let us stay out there for 45 minutes or so. Uh, but he, he's carrying around a microphone and he's got a PA system. He's just screaming in it the entire time. Uh, but I, I walk out of practice and it's like, it's like going to a Tony Robbins live or something. Um, and I'm like, man, my life is so worthless. Like I should be doing so much better than I'm doing. Like I need to go get on a treadmill right now. Like I, I, I don't have near that energy. I've never had near that energy. Like what's wrong with me? I think Dabo's kind of real though. I, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's kind of a rube and stuff, but I've talked to people who've interviewed for jobs at Clemson and had, I'm just saying, I understand how people from the outside no, I do too. look at that and say, that's you're full of shit. That's yeah. not, no one's that no, way really. Yeah, I know. I completely get it. I, I, I've always told people I want to dislike Dabo. And then I talk to people who know him and they're like, no, it's kind of real. And I'm like, eh. Well, it's like when you know when you when you see Nick Saban for years from the outside, and then you cover his bowl game, and you realize, oh, he's not a surly asshole all the time. Like <laughs> he's actually a decent human being. Like, and he'll talk to you, and you don't feel like he's going to bite your head off every every few seconds. And I think Bob Stoops was that same way. Yeah, I, Stoops seems like in his in his later years that he's kind of living his best life. Oh yeah, no, no doubt about it. like bowl game bob stoops this year it was amazing i mean <laughs> like he was just like okay it's going a football game like have fun doing it <laughs> i mean it's just like that is not the bob i knew but it was it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch it happen i bet because he really did not give a bleep <laughs> no he was great i kind of followed it as it was happening because i mean he could do no wrong because that was when the the uh, lincoln riley hate was in is if the water was completely boiling over the, the 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 edge of the of the of the saucer of the stove yeah the hardest part of coaching that bowl game had to have been just tempering his comments on lincoln riley what he really wanted to say yeah <laughs> yeah he he could he could do no wrong uh, that was that was fun to watch and the fact that they won that game i mean it was just a bonus i mean yeah of course he he shouldn't have given the cowboy hat to caleb williams i'm still mad about that I don't, you have to fill me in on this part. Oh, they have like um, this, uh, like this Stetson hat that they give you. I guess it's probably an expensive real cowboy hat. Uh, and he was, he gave it to Caleb. He's like, here, keep, keep this. This is a, this is a, he kind of, he was kind of making it out to be like, here's your first, uh, recruiting inducement to come back next year. Everybody knew Caleb was leaving though, right? Everybody thought that he would probably not come back, but, at that point, there was still hope, even though it was fleeting. Yeah, I just. I think once it got to the I'm entering the transfer portal, I think almost everyone knew that no matter what kind of run, what kind of NIL run someone was going to make at him, it wasn't going to be enough. And then he, everybody, and, 
what OU put together wasn't even close to what he got from his first Beats contract. Yeah. Everybody knew he was going to USC. I, I did. I mean, I, it was like, well, it's well, like, just like Jordan Addison. Yeah. Everybody knew what was happening. Yeah. People could talk and about They put on a good dog and pony. See, like what happened was Caleb Williams used Wisconsin the way that Jordan Addison used Texas. Remember, like late in the game, it was like, yeah. Uh, Jordan Addison was like, oh, he's surprisingly in Austin today. You know, and he, obviously carefully crafted some social media posts to make it look like he was having this great time in Austin. And, you know, and then you had, and I'm not ripping anybody, but you had, uh, I, I remember seeing our guys, uh, like they were getting information, like they legitimately thought that they had a chance. And it's one of those things where you like, you don't want to be disrespectful, but you also want to be like, guys, I would temper that. Like no matter what's being relayed, that kid's going to USC. And we've seen this before with Caleb. He's using Texas as the buffer to make it look like USC wasn't tampering in the first place. Of course. And everyone knows they were tampering, but that allows you to go see. He was looking at other places. He went on other Yeah, he was yeah. he was seriously looking at other, you know, options. Like I don't know what you're talking about with this. You it just happened to be USC was the better option when he looked at everything. Yep. And the NCAA doesn't have the – they don't have the teeth for that. They're, they're, they're not going to go get somebody for tampering unless there's like a – No, they knew that as long as you put on a dog and pony show, it's yeah. it, it'll clear us. Of course. That's why there's always tampering. And you, you tell kids, yeah, take a couple visits, take your time, don't rush, and, and then we'll tell you when to pull the trigger. I would have loved to at least – I wish you could open records that Adazio phone calls to Lincoln Riley, though. <laughs> What would, what do you think you'd find if you if you could? A lot of mfing, probably. <laughs> you know, the words pencil neck would have been thrown out there at some point. Because <laughs> I'll tell you this: like one thing about Lincoln, I, I have a lot of veteran coach friends, and in the coaching community, it is. I mean, it it's it it becomes a big deal. This is that coaching old school caveman attitude that's out there that. We see it more in the NFL and like I always think about is especially when the draft comes around, like how close old school football guys are to getting canceled every year the draft happens because it's going to take one adjective used poorly or something the the more sensitive society gets. Uh, but it's like the old school coaches that like actually played football and then became coaches they don't like Lincoln Riley because he never, and I, it's one coach one time um, described it to me is like, watch Lincoln Riley when the bullets start flying because he's never been in a gunfight. The, the fact that he became a student assistant, never really played college football. Like it doesn't sit well with a lot of coaches that have like, I, I guarantee you like a Mario Cristobal, hates a guy like Lincoln Riley, especially an offensive line guy. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause he comes across as he, he comes across like some of the, like he would fit better in the NFL. Like he, yeah, he, he comes across as like a Sean McVay or a, well, he, he comes across as an egghead coach for some of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he's got that kind of, I don't know. I don't know what words I'm looking for. Kind of the pretty boy, trying to trying to be smarter than everybody else, trying to right to reinvent the wheel and 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 that kind exactly. Of, and that doesn't go yeah. across well. That doesn't go across well with a lot of old school college guys. 
Well, and to be honest, I mean, that's that's the biggest difference between Link, you know, Oklahoma now with Brent Venables and Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley had a strength and conditioning coach in Benny Wiley, uh, who was on a reality fitness show on NBC. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, and people are like, well, he's Lincoln Riley's all Hollywood. His strength coach is a reality star. Uh, he's not really going to be tough enough with these kids. And to be honest, toughness in the trenches was their biggest issue under him. Yeah. I mean, Creed Humphrey just finished the year as the best, you know, rookie offensive lineman in the league. And his last couple of years at OU with Lincoln Riley, we were all wondering what was wrong with Creed Humphrey because it just looked like he was getting manhandled at times. So now that they have, um, they brought Jerry Schmidt back in here and like the players are constantly tweeting out about how they almost died at summer workouts today. It was so hard. Like, and that he's just like, it's not good. So he, he basically uses the summer to break everyone down and then builds them back up before the season. Uh, and I mean, he was here for a long time and, and he was here when Burt Benables was here. Uh, you know, he, he, they were all, I mean, that's the Adrian Peterson years. That's when Trent Williams was here. Lane Johnson was here. Jamal Brown. I mean, all pros were developed under Jerry Schmidt on the offensive line. So um, th- I think that will be the biggest difference is that Oklahoma will truly be better in the trenches now without Lincoln Riley, because that was their biggest issue really to me. All right. Very last thing. I'm curious because you are a big picture guy. I know you watch a lot of football. What are your thoughts from 30,000 feet away on what Lane Kiffin's done at Ole Miss and what's happening with his program. You know, I, I, I was on the lane train. I, I wanted to see him in Norman and I, I, it was not a popular opinion. I'll tell you that. Uh, just, I mean, I, and I think people, it was kind of a joke, but um, I just, I, I like everything about Lane Kiffin. I like his brashness on, on Twitter. I like the fact that he, He's one of the few people that will go after uh, Nick Saban. But, I mean, you know, Jeff Levy here now. Um, going to be interested to see, you know, what their offense does. Uh, and, you know, how – I mean, I, I like their backup quarterback that came in last year after Corral got hurt. Um, but, you know, he just obviously didn't have a lot of experience. But, um, you know, I, I, I think with Ole Miss – I from 30,000 feet, I still, you know, kind of like AM. It's like, can they make that jump? When are they going to make that jump? Are they like, I guess my thing with Ole Miss would be, are they better now than they were five years ago defensively? Do they have still a, a freak here or there? Um, to They're be able so to de- under Kiffin, they've become so dependent on the transfer portal. That's what I'm kind of interested to see. I've been saying this yeah. for a while that, you know, he might be onto something. It might be a, a bomb waiting to go off. I don't really know. I, I feel like we're kind of watching an experiment in real time because he's, he has seen that it, with NIL, that it's very hard for him to land the high four star, uh, five star player to come here out of high school, but that he's had real success. I mean, like Zach Evans and, and Jackson Dart and, you know, a lot of these kind of guys, he's had success with those high profile transfer guys. He's had, he's been able to recruit them at a, at a pretty high level to here. And it, it seems like that's the path that, that he wants to take. And I mean, at real big numbers, like we're more than half of the program will be transfer portal guys. And, and 
there's a part of me that looks at that and goes, boy, it's just so risky. And then there's a part of me that goes into this season coming up, and I'm like, well, but if it works again, at some point you have to go, hey, this is this might be the smart way to do it. Now, what I mean, life after Corral is what though? Well, it's right now. It's Jackson Dart and uh, and Luke. Oh Altmeyer. yeah, Jackson Dart. I forgot. Yeah, you, you ended Alt- up there. Luke Altmyer is the quarterback you were referencing. Who, I, I, if you made me bet as of right now, I would bet that that Altmyer will be the the starter to open the season, but that they'll both play. It'll be a competition. You know, he's he's heavily involved with Jaden Rashada, but it doesn't look good. It looks like that's Florida or, or Texas A and M because there's just more nil there than what Ole Miss either can or or is willing to put together at this point. So. It had to make Ole Miss fans feel a little bit better when all those Baylor defensive guys were drafted last year. Yeah, man, that Baylor. I team, mean, they. I mean, they were good. No joke. Like that Baylor team was legit. Like yeah. they and defensively they were, and they have been. You know, I. I mean, um, I. Uh, gosh dang it! New guy we just hired looks like his son. Uh, at in the NFL now, the former coach before uh, Aranda. I'm blanking on his name. Um, former Baylor coach before Aranda. Yeah. Um, is that what Morris was it? That's a way. No, back. no, no. Oh, I, this is tragic. I'm so I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, anyway, no. I mean, he built that defense. I mean, uh, but of course, Aranda just impressed the hell out of me. And of course, he rushed three, dropped eight against Lincoln Riley this year. <laughs> yeah, Aranda's a genius. They. I'd say people judged Luke Altmaier when he came in for Corral when when Matt got hurt, and I'm like, guys, not not Ole Miss fans, but like just people in the media, they were talking about him. He he didn't have any time to prepare, and he's going in against one of the nation's best defenses at this moment with one of his offensive tackles out for the game. It's it's, that's not a recipe for getting it done. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's you know, I think we all know. I, I I still feel like I. Nick Saban is going to be pissed off this year and Georgia, you know, who knows? I mean, that's going to be really interesting. Like, do they have a drop off because they haven't been there before? And like of all the proteges that have happened, I mean, Kirby smarts done the best, but. Well, speaking of teams that lost a ton of defensive talent, I mean, Oh man, their whole well, they, uh, was in the first two rounds of the draft. Did they have 11 total? Was that what it was? Yeah, I don't know if it was that big. I mean, I'm being a little hyperbolic. But I think had, it was offense and defense. It was 11. Yeah, but they had like five or six defensive guys that went in the first two rounds or something like that. Yeah. That's, 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 and that's the thing. It's like Alabama was built to, to overcome that. I don't know if Georgia is. Yeah, we'll find that out this year. Tennessee should be better. I think Kentucky's going to be good. And I think Josh Heupel is the biggest anomaly in college football right now. Like, I don't – I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the trajectory of Tennessee is. I mean, like Josh, yeah, Heifel, they're heavily he involved was, with NIL right now. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. I mean, but he was nosediving at UCF. Yeah. And then he goes, Tennessee was basically a golden parachute for him. But I mean, I hope he has, all, I, I always liked Josh. Uh, his last game as offensive coordinator was against Clemson in the 2014 Walmart sweatpants balls. It was then the Russell athletic. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, he has not spoken to me uh, because the last question I asked him was, do you think you'll be the, the offensive coordinator next year? And so that was pretty much 
you've been excommunicated from my life. A lot of times when you ask those questions, that's the end of the relationship. Um, Or it it certainly puts the relationship on ice for a while. But it was another one of those things. It was like the the questions were winding down. No one had asked him anything about his job future. So I had to do it. Don't you don't you hate having to do it, though, in that setting? Because you're doing everybody else's dirty work and you're the only one that's going to pay for it. Yeah, I mean, somebody was going to have to ask it, but that's that's what you sign up for when you when you want to be a beat writer. I did that to Houston Nut standing underneath um, Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington, Kentucky. We were underneath the stands doing the little press thing, and I said, "Do you, do you at this point with everything that's happened, do you anticipate being old Mrs. Coach next year?" And for the very first time in four years, he used my name. He said, "Well, Neil, it's it's not up to me." And by him using my name, he would refuse to use my name before. By him using my name, I knew at that point it was over. And sure enough, later that night, we were we were preparing for what was coming Monday. That's a crazy business sometimes. Hey, speaking of, I know you're busy, and I've kept you uh, a long time. I really appreciate your time. Uh, a lot of people have been asking for me to get you on, and so I know they'll be thrilled to hear from you, a lot of them as they drive to Omaha. So thanks a lot, Kerry. I appreciate it. Well, I'll say it. I mean, I'm not afraid to say it. Good luck, Ole Miss fans. Uh, try and not kill each other. All right, let's start this. Let's try and start this relationship off on a good foot because I think you are two fan bases that are made for each other. And let's say, let's just say this. If it all goes bad, uh, we can reboot this whole thing at the Grove in a few years because I think that will, that will heal any issues that that exist between these two fan bases after this series. Yeah, I'm with you. I think these two fan bases have a lot in common. They're going to, they're going to really like each other. They just it, this this is like you said, it's probably not the best way. You both to- have a couple of ag schools that you hate, you know. <laughs> just not you the both, best. You first both thing. hate you both know that you have these these you know blue bloods that you go up against that have more money than you. I mean like it's just it, it's it's a it's a match made in heaven. At least it's I a, mean it's a baseball championship though. So I mean everybody wants. To I will win. say this: the only thing about the Ole Miss fans that that I find questionable, I remember one time you went on this massive rant Me? about Laura Rutledge, uh, and you were so upset at the Ole Miss fan bases because uh, they were saying like that she was an Ole Miss seven or yeah, something like that. That was this. That was come on. That that's this. That does drive me crazy. The one thing that really drives me crazy about about Ole Miss fans is they they, they have this perception in their mind, or else they just they, they they're determined to play into it that it's the only place that there are hot women. It's just oh, we had this discussion the other day, like like, and this is this is creepy old man discussion, but it is it is really interesting because I went to both OU and OSU, and and I've talked to people about this still to this day. OSU has hotter women than an ag school and OSU has hotter women per capita than OU does. Well, um, this is, this is a revelation. I've, I've said it before. You and I've not talked about this. When I was covering Auburn back in the day at the NCAA tournament, uh, Auburn played in the same pod with Oklahoma state. Auburn was a one seed and Oklahoma state was playing in the eight, nine game. And so we Auburn played, I can't remember somebody doesn't matter in the one sixteen game and they won. And so we were watching the eight, nine game to see, you know, who, who Auburn was going to play and go talk to that winning locker room about playing Auburn and blah, blah, blah. And Oklahoma state had a dance team that was so talented. Oh, their palms are legendary. Yeah. They were so talented. I mean, Missouri is the same way. Missouri's the same way. We, 
we we were cheering for Oklahoma State to play Auburn <laughs> two days later for no reason other than that would mean that the dance team would return. It, it, the Palm Squad is legendary at Oklahoma yeah. State. Yes. It makes uh-huh. me feel good that that's the case because we were – And we, the other thing was like, I, you know, I used to have to do radio remotes at like bars. Um, like the Big 12, there's a there's – a, so like <laughs> Texas Tech is an easier school to get into for the general uh, population. So in, when you would go to Lubbock, they had all the hottest dumb women in the conference. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's kind of a, that's kind of a point. I mean, it's just. But like like even Texas A and M, a lot of hot women all over the place. It's crazy. They're everywhere. I mean, I, I get it. So but... yeah, so for there to be so, so for Ole Miss fans to say the women here are hotter than anywhere else. It's like, you haven't been anywhere else. Well, and that was the thing with Laura Rutledge. And listen, I, I, I hope Laura doesn't hear this. I, I know her and, and um, I have a ton of respect for her as a person. Well, you were I'm, defending her. I thought, I mean, that's how well, I, I was. Her. My point was, come on. She's, you, you have to admit that, that she's not just some average looking female. I mean, she's, She's a beautiful woman. Yes. Yes, exactly. That was my point. It wasn't. I don't have a wife to, to, to smack me around after this is over. So well, I, I wasn't that. saying it in any degrading way. I mean, just she's a beautiful woman, and and, and people are like, oh, she's and she's a- very good at her job. I mean, yeah, she's she's I, I watch NFL, NFL Live almost every day. She does a great job. Yeah, she's very talented. It was the the whole thing about <laughs> she's an Ole Miss five or whatever. I stop, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> it's just an insult to all intelligence. Stop. Hey, no, uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate catching up with you, man, as always. Yeah, man, always. Again soon. Okay, talk to you soon.